morning. A young 16-year-old Salvation Army soldier was walking to church from his house for a Bible study one day. And in those days, soldiers wore their uniforms to every church function. So on route to the church, there were about 12 or 15 of his peers that were hanging outside of this pool hall that he had to go by. So his classmates, they laughed as he walked by. They used a little bit of choice language, and they threw some rocks at him. And he stood out because he didn't subscribe to the norms. He didn't fit the standard image and style, but he chose a different type of path for his life. You know, I would say that many, if they're honest, would tell you that they have searched the world to find a full life. People have lived with greed, with jealousy, with materialism, and dishonest to try and gain what many thought would bring happiness, what many thought would bring joy, and what many people have thought would bring fulfillment to their lives. But the Apostle Paul instructs us in the book of Romans to no longer conform or blend in to the ways of this world that we're living in. But instead, we are to live as a people that have been transformed. And this transformation, it's, it's not by chance. This transformation that we're talking about, this is not a, an accident that has happened, but it is an intentional way of daily living because Jesus has saved us and the Holy Spirit lives within us. So this is not an accident that's happened in your life. This is something that you've what? That you've chosen. This is something that you came to. This is an understanding that when you came to Jesus and you said, Lord, I believe. Father, I confess my need of a Savior. And God, from this day forward, I'm going to pick my cross up and I'm going to follow who? I'm going to follow you. At that very moment, you said, God, no more. I'm not going to conform to the ways of this world. But Jesus... You have transformed my mind. You have transformed my way of thinking. Father, you have transformed my morality. You have transformed my values. You have transformed what I think is necessary in this life. And from this day forward, God, no longer am I going to let the world conform me, but my faith, the transformation that I have in Jesus Christ, this is what's going to steer me. Now, I know Austin showed you all the picture this morning of a chame chameleon. How many of you all have ever seen one in person? Any, any of you guys ever touched one or, or, or seen one? Th these are kind of creepy figures, amen? I mean, if you've seen one of these things, you, you know this is a little lizard. They've got a long tongue. They've got these protruding eyes that can see beside of them and back of them. And so they're a funny little animal, to, to say the least. But the chameleon, there's one thing that it can do better than any other creature. It's a master of disguise. No matter what environment it is placed in, it will change its color and it will disguise itself to fit what? To fit in. Now remember, one of the fundamental aspects of being a Christian is that we're supposed to be easy identifiable when placed against the backdrop of this world. See, we're the exact opposite 
of a chameleon. According to the Word, we're supposed to naturally stand out like the young soldier in the story that we mentioned earlier. However, the truth is that for many of us, and this is going to be, this is going to be a little difficult. This is going to be one of those pills that's kind of hard to, to swallow. But the truth is, for many of us, we'd rather blend in with the crowd than stand what? Than stand out. Now, why is that? Well, I'm going to give you a few reasons. And I guarantee you, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll see these reasons. One, we are fearful of rejection. Well, Brother Donnie, I don't want to tell a lot of people that I'm a Christian. I don't want to really want to walk that life because if I walk that life, I'm going to have a fear of being what? Rejected. We fear isolation. Because what happens when you become rejected? Well, now I'm having to stand on my own two feet. Now I'm having to walk a straight line. So we're fearful of being rejected, and rejection will lead to what? It will lead to isolation. We fear loss of opportunities. Well, if I tell people a Christian, I'm a Christian, I may not get this job, or I may not get this bonus, or I may not get this raise, or somebody may not want to be a friend to me. And so we fear loss of opportunities. And then we have a fear of being ridiculed because of our faith. Well, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I really, Brother Donnie, I really just want to keep it to myself because I don't want to be made fun of at school. I don't want to be made fun of at college. Or I don't want to be made fun of around my friends that I'm trying to fit in. Or I don't want to be made fun of, period. And so we, we join this group of people because we're fearful of being ridiculed because of our faith. So today we're beginning a new, brand new sermon series that's all about this same concept called the urge to fit in. And this morning we're going to discuss Paul's words about not conforming. One verse, look at your Bible, Romans 12, 2. The Bible says this, and do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the awesome opportunity that you've given us today to come and to worship you. And Lord, it may be raining and dark outside, but Father, we know that you are good. You're always good to us, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for the songs that we got to sing this morning. Thank you, Lord, for uh, having a place that we can come and that we can worship. And, Father, I know this, this series, we're, we all struggle with this, God. Many times we, we really keep our faith to ourselves because, Father, we're fearful. We, we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to miss out on opportunities. We don't want to be made fun of. But yet, Father, you tell us to stand out and not to conform. And so, Father, I pray this morning you work on hearts. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to understand that, Father, who you are and who we are in you, Lord, that means the world. And so, God, I pray this morning that you will help us with this battle. Help us, Father, to see the necessity of standing out instead of trying to fit in. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said... 
Amen. Now, I would bet you a lot of folks that have ventured out of high school, like myself, can remember how important it was to fit in during those high school days. Amen? We can all remember that. And I know there's some of you in here this morning that are in middle school. There's some of you in here this morning that are in high school, presently speaking. Some of you in here that are in college right now, presently speaking. And all of you all know that the majority of the time we do just about everything we can do to try to fit what? To fit in. We're willing to conform our personalities. We're willing to conform our clothing. We are willing to conform our interests. We are willing to conform our habits to fit in because we want to be a part of a group that we feel like just has everything all what? All together. And in the back of our minds, we, we have this sense of community, right? We have this sense of belonging because that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants to be a part of something. Everyone wants to be a part of a group. And so we do whatever we have to do to fit what? To fit in. The downside of the fitting in, though, may come with a what? May come with a, a price, Maybe you've conformed your values. Maybe you have conformed your morals. Maybe the little group that you have decided to fit in uses some language that you know is not very Christian-like. Maybe we had conformed our activities, even knew at that point that they were wrong, but we were willing to do it because we desperately want to belong. We desperately want to fit in. But as Christians, we're called to be like Jesus. Amen? This is what the Word of God says. And interact with the world like Jesus. If we say we are Christian and continue living like everyone else, you'll hear a word that the world likes to use. And that word is hypocritical. We've all heard it from time to time, I'm sure. And this word hypocrite or hypocritical may be warranted because we're trying to live two different what? We're trying to live two different lives. One in the world and one within the, one within the church. And so basically what happens is this, the people outside of the church, they become confused. We become confused. Because who we say we are does not reflect the person others are seeing and others are experiencing. How many times have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said to yourself, man, what a hypocrite. Because people outside of the church are seeing this. And then I go to church on Sunday and I put on my church face, I put on my church mask, and I act all proper, I act all reverent, and I act all good, but knowing I'm fighting this war of conforming to the world, but yet trying to be transformed by Jesus Christ. So what does Jesus want from us? Well, Jesus wants us to stand out rather than to fit in. It's not an easy process, and I'll guarantee you that every Christian in here will tell this to any new Christian this morning. This is a process, but it's an important one. The Apostle Paul addressed this same exact issue within our Scripture this morning to the Christians at Rome, because if anyone knew what it meant to stand out, 
It was who? It was the Apostle Paul. See, after his conversion, Paul became one of the greatest missionaries that Christianity has ever seen. And if you look through the New Testament, Paul has authored half of the New Testament books. So Paul knew what it meant to stand what? What it meant to stand out. So the question is, Brother Donnie, where do we begin? Well, this is number one on your outline this morning. Do not let the schemes of this age do what? Define your actions or your way of life. This is a big word, define. So let's break this down, church. You ready? What does conform mean? What does the word conform mean? Well, the word conform means to assume something similar, outward form of expression by following the same pattern or to act in accordance with prevailing standards or custom. So basically, conforming means when the world says something is okay, or if the world says something is good, we just conform to the what? Worldly standards. But let's break down the world that Paul is talking about. The world that Paul is talking about isn't the created world, because when God created the world, He said the world was what? It was good. And we're not talking about the inhabitants of this world. Why? Because Christ died for you. That's the inhabitants of this world. What we're talking about is this. The word world in which Paul is describing, this is an age. This is an era. In Ephesians 2, it says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Galatians 1, 3-4, the Bible says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age. So here's what Paul is telling you. Here's what Paul is telling all of Christianity this, I know that you have to live in the world, but don't let your thoughts... Don't let your actions, don't let your values, don't let your morals be influenced and directed by the world because the one that rules this age is Satan himself. Here's the problem, church. You ready? There are so many good things in the world that oftentimes it's difficult to know when we're conforming. This is the problem that we are living in now. See, the devil is a crafty one, isn't he? I want you to think about this for a moment, church. Every single one of us. He knows what bait to dangle in front of your face. Amen? He knows specifically what pulls our chain. He knows what to put in front of us that is going to lure us into sin. And you may say, Brother Donnie, you're giving Satan way too much credit. I beg to differ. If you go back to the very beginning, he looked at Eve and he said, did God really say this? See, he knew right then we weren't the smartest tools in the shed. Amen? He knew right then how he could talk to us and influence us. He knew things to create. He knew things that were going to be dangled in front of us, whether if it's technology, whether if it's our crafts, whether if it's things, whatever it may be, even our careers. Satan knew what he was doing 
from the very beginning. So what do we do? Well, I'm going to give you a few suggestions, and this is in your sermon outline this morning, an asterisk, on how to tell if the world is guiding your actions. And church, some of this is going to be very difficult. Your first asterisk is this. We have to have a confrontation with who? Ourselves. You ever notice it's very easy for us to throw planks at other people? You ever notice that? It's very easy for us to spot someone else's sin out. You notice that? That's what we love to do. Why? Because we don't want to have a confrontation with who? Our own selves. That's personal. That's difficult. But we need to look in the mirror and examine our actions. We need to look in the mirror and examine our habits. We need to look in the mirror and say, what are my desires? Where is my heart? How is my attitude? Where are my commitments at? You know, it's frustrating when people come to me and they say, Brother Donnie, I don't have time for church. You're telling me, you don't need to tell me, tell God, because what we're telling God is, God, I don't have time for who? I don't have time for you, Lord. Now, we all know that we have to work. We all know that we have children. We have grandchildren. We all know that life is busy. But did you ever stop to think that maybe for a moment we have fallen into a trap of busyness? And that's exactly where Satan wants you to what? To be. Because if he can take your mind off the Word, if he can take your mind off of worship, if he can take your mind off what God wants from you, he may not be able to have your soul, but he can sure make your life a living. And you can fill in that blank. We've got to have a confrontation with ourselves. I don't want you looking at your neighbor. I don't want you looking at your brother, your sister, your wife, your dad, your, your husband, your, your kids. I don't want you pointing fingers or, or pushing on shoulders. I'm saying that you need to have a confrontation with you. This is where it starts. And then the second asterisk is this. We must make an honest assessment about ourselves. We've got to be honest. Because when you have that confrontation and you look in that mirror, you're going to have to make an honest assessment about what you're seeing. So having a confrontation with oneself can be challenging because when we get honest with ourselves, we start to see how much the world has actually crept into our what? Into our lives. Our worldly schemes driving our ambitions. Or are we more concerned about what God wants for our lives? The third asterisk is this, we got to have a what? You need to have a plan. Well, Brother Donnie, how can I keep worldly influences out of my life? Well, you got to have a what? you you got to have a plan. John the Baptist said these words. He said, he must increase, but I must what? I must decrease. John the Baptist had a plan 2,000 years ago. He's got to increase, but I must decrease. How many people are willing to do that? Let's be honest. Jesus is going to have to increase in my life, and me, myself, and I are going to have to take a back what? A back seat. We don't say that. How many times do we ever say, well, if I could just get a raise in my job, I'd be able to give more to God? We don't say that, do we? We say, well, if I could get a raise at my job, the more I can spend on who? 
Oh, I can get that new truck, that new car, that new home, that new boat, that new yacht, that new camper, because it's all about who? Look, God. It's all about me. When it comes to spiritual growth, my question to you is, is what is your plan? Do you have a plan to grow spiritually? And this leads to Paul's positive command because we went through one. Now let's hit number two on your sermon outline this morning is this. A life of transformation will focus on God's will instead of who? Instead of you. Instead of self. But that's, see, this is the transformation. Because the world says life's all about who? Life's all about you. Paul told the Christians at Rome, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your minds. So much of the messaging that we hear in life is inviting us to conform to a worldly image that falls short of the glory of God. Think about this. If you have more money, you're going to be what? You're going to be happier. I know a lot of people that have good money, and many of them fall very short of being happy. And I know people that don't have a dime. And I see more joy on their face than I do many other people. You know, a lot of times we base our happiness on what kind of home we live in. I grew up in an apartment, went to a single wide trailer, never lived in a brick and a mortar home till I was 20 years old. But I'm going to give you a secret to life that don't cost you a dime. Are you ready? A home is what you make of it. And if that is what your happiness is in, you're falling prey to the world. You're falling prey to the world. And you say, well, Brother Donnie, that's not fair. But yes, it's biblical. Because the Bible says that when you leave this earth, you cannot take anything what? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. It doesn't matter who you hurt to get on top. That's what the world says. It doesn't matter. If you've got to step on anybody and everyone to get where you want to go, then just What? Nike says it every day. Just do it. Burger King tells us, have it your what? Your way. Everything is personalized. So whatever you got to do, whoever you got to hurt, just what? Just do it to take care of who? Of you. You don't have a conscience. Don't worry about feeling bad because you did it. Just do it because it's making who happy? It's making you happy. How about these? You deserve better. How many of us have ever looked in the mirror in the morning and said, you know what, dadgummit, you deserve what? You deserve better. But the problem is the better always seems to start with self. Amen? How about this one? You deserve more. Oh, you would be so much happier if you could just get what? If you could just get more. If you could just have more than, than Gerald, if you could just have more, if Joni could just make more money, Gerald, you'd be happier, brother. If that new store would just blast off and six more open throughout the state of Kentucky, you all would experience a joy that you've never had. And that's what the world, what? That's what the world tells us. It's your time. How many times do you look in the mirror? It's your money. You worked hard for that money. And it's your money. And everything you do, you should do it because it is yours. But then the Bible tells us this. 
All the silver and all the gold belong to who? To God. You are a steward of God's what? Of money. Well, Brother Donnie, God didn't work that. God didn't deserve that. Brother, oh, sister, hold up. The Bible says, I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the who? The Lord, every day that He gives you is a blessing. Amen? Every morning that you get up and you, oh, you breathe and your lungs function and your eyes work and your legs work and your hands work and He gives you the ability to work for a living, that's God's blessing on your life. God did that. But He gives you the opportunity to see what you're going to do with it. Money, power, popularity, that'll bring you happiness. That'll bring you joy. That's going to bring you peace. That's going to bring you love. And then we get into the Word of God. Wait a minute, Brother Donnie. Something doesn't, something's not right here. Because what the world's telling me is going to bring happiness, I'm finding something different within this. So who is right? And who is wrong? The message of the Bible invites us to have a transformative power into Jesus. So if you're here today and you're trying to figure out why the negative pattern in your life still seems to be present, maybe it's a correlation of the time that you spend with God. Just maybe. The world around us will gladly give us things to fill our time, and before we know it, we don't have any time to spend with who? With God. And if people are spending less time at church than ever before, then one has to wonder how much time are they really spending with God in the Word of God. I would bet you it's even less now. So how is it possible to possess a mind, Pastor, that is transformed? Well, 2 Corinthians tells us in verse five, chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature. The old things have passed. Behold, new things have what? Come. The transformation starts with our salvation in Jesus. And then it continues with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. He's trying to tell us, direct us. So don't get me wrong, this is a continual process in which we call sanctification. In which we are becoming more and more like Jesus. We leave the old lifestyles of sinfulness and we cling to a Christian lifestyle and mindset. So how do we continually renew our minds? Isn't this what people want to know? Because when you leave here today, you're going to step out into the world. So, Brother Donnie, how is it that we can keep our minds right? How is it that we can keep our thoughts right? How is it that we can keep our actions right, our morals right, our values right? What can we do? Well, I'm going to give you a couple. Are you ready? This is on your outline. Number one is this. We need to let Christ direct every aspect of our what? Of our lives. We need to let Christ direct every aspect of our lives. We can't just let God into part of our lives and then say, well, Lord, you're off limit into this one. You with me? And that's what we do. Well, Father, I'm going to let you into this because I need forgiveness. Amen? I'm going to let you into this one because I need restoration. Amen? Father, I'm going to let you into my marriage because it needs a healing. Amen? Lord, I'm going to let you into my health issues because I need a healing. Amen? But Father, I'm not going to give you my wallet. 
Oh, you just touched the Southern Baptist funny bone. Lord, you didn't say that. Well, I got news for you from the book of Job. He can give and he can surely what? At any time that he wants to do it. We need to let him into every aspect of our life. Number two, we need to pray that God will guide all of our decisions, whether they're big, medium, or small. We need to pray, church. We need to pray. How many of you all are really, truly praying? I don't mean this, Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for this food. Bless it, Lord. Amen. I don't mean that. I mean, how many of you all are truly praying? And some of you need to be praying harder now more than ever because there are things that are going on in your life you can't control them. Amen? And so you're thinking to yourself, well, if I could just control it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to control it. I'm going to make it work. You need to be on bended knee. And you need to be praying. This is an aspect of our Christianity that we have just lost. See, we've gotten into this part of the entertainment age of church. Amen? Well, if I can just be entertained and they have the things that I want, then I'll be happy. I got news for you. That's not going to help you in your discipleship. You can raise hands to God and praise God all you want to and then leave and go out into the world and be two-faced, basically. Or we can really get down to business and we can start praying with intentions of God changing our lives and God changing the world. Amen? We need to pray. Number three, we need to be in God's Word daily. And gentlemen, I'm going to focus on you all more a little bit more right now. I don't mean you need to pick it up and move it places daily. Amen? I mean you either need to be in that Word daily, find you an app on your phone, find you a devotional, and be in it. And what you're going to find, and men and women, both teenagers, children, when you find yourself in the Word of God daily, it will help transform you. Amen? You won't be able to put it down. It'll transform you. Number four, we need to focus on the issues of life that are what? Lasting. That are lasting. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. We need to be laying up treasures where? In heaven. Telling people about Jesus. Sharing our stories, our testimonies. Inviting people to church. Bringing kids to youth. Bringing kids to, ch to children on Wednesday nights. And bringing, coming to the meals on Wednesday night at 5.30. Fellowship time. We need this. These are the things that are lasting but many of us are more concerned about building that mansion that sits on the top of a sand hill. Amen? That's what we're so tore up about. And I'm going to give you one more. And, and I'm adding this because of what Neil said in Sunday school. This is not on your outline. You can put it on there if you want to. But we need to worship Jesus with meaning. Neil was telling a story in Sunday school about how his dad had went to Africa to help build a church. And he was talking about how his dad, he had went to so many different revivals and church services with his dad, and he never saw his dad act the way that he did when they first met that first time in that church with sand flooring. He said his dad was 
clapping his hands. And his dad had a look of joy and expression on his face. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, God, why are we not that way on Sunday morning? Why are we not clapping? Why are we not having faces that are filled with joy? I said, Lord, why are we not being that right now? It's because when we're coming to worship, we're not coming with the worship of having some intentions. I want to see God move, amen? I want to see souls saved, amen? I want to see people baptized and dunked. I want to see people get discipled within the church. I want to see the music ministry grow. We're looking for instrumentalists. I want to see the van ministry grow, the card ministry grow. I want to see this church grow spiritually. And when the church grows spiritually, it will grow numerically. That's how it happens. That's the process of who we are and the things that we do. And then the last one, number three. A life of transformation will focus on what? God's will instead of what? Self. It's going to focus on His will instead of self. And with a mind renewed, Paul says this, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For the early Christians in Rome, one can only imagine how difficult it was to be a Christian considering Rome was filled with sights and sounds of sexual immorality. Politics, Greek mythology, emperor worship, and polytheism. As for today, it's easy for our minds to become infected by our worldly culture when it comes to our values, our morality, issues with materialism, self-centeredness, and even selfishness. We wake up. We watch the news. We read the paper. We open our internet browser. We look at Facebook. We look at Instagram. We look at Twitter. And the majority of what we see is negative. And before you know it... Our minds, our hearts, and our actions are affected by the negativity that we continue to listen to and experience. Paul knew then and we know now that we are in a spiritual battle, church. This is a spiritual battle. Do we conform to a worldly system that's influenced by Satan? Or do we live a transformed life that centers on Jesus Christ? Paul told the Christians in Colossus, he says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this what? That are on this earth. Whose will are you seeking? Are you seeking a will that conforms to worldly standards? Are you seeking the will of God? Are you living a life that's pleasing to God, that's embracing His mercy, putting behind worldly passions with the mind that wants God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renewing your mind, being transformed, not conforming to the world around you. These things are not easy, but are they worth it? Are they worth it? You can look all around and discover how to fit in and look like everyone else, learn to act like everyone else. However, Christ has not called us to fit in. And He's not called us to act like everyone else. Amen? That's not who we are. Billy Graham once said this. Listen to this. Christians are like the Gulf Stream. 
which is in the ocean and yet not part of it. The mysterious currents, they defy the mighty Atlantic. They ignore its ties and they flow steadily upon its course. Its color is different, being a different blue. Its temperature is different, being warmer. Its direction is different, being from the south to north. It is in the ocean and yet it is not part of it. So we as Christians are in the world. We come in contact with the world. And yet we retain our distinctive kingdom character and we refuse to let the world press us in to its mold. God desires for every single person to be transformed. The question is this, do you want to be? Do you want to be? When you look in the mirror, and I'm this this very personal, you ready? When you look in that mirror, do you see a person that is being infected and affected by worldly passions, desires, morality? Or do you see a child of God that is being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? See, Jesus purchased, purchased you, amen? Jesus gave every single thing that he ever had to you and to me. And walking in the life of a Christian is not easy. But the question is, is it worth it? Do you want to see people get saved? Do you want to see families get healed? Do you want to see forgiveness and restoration? How many of you all want to see this world change? Then it starts with you. It starts with every single one of us taking on the responsibility of being who Jesus has transformed us to be. So this morning, as we get ready to sing, as we get ready to stand, I'm going to ask you, look in that mirror when you stand up. When you stand up, I want you to look in that mirror and I want you to ask yourself, what's impacting me? Not your children, not your spouse, not your grandpa, your grandma, Uncle Sue, whoever it is. I want you to ask yourself, write to yourself, is the world leading me or has Jesus transformed me? As you stand this morning, we'll sing.